Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this special episode, we will look at how God communicates and ministers through music. This is one of the filters that the Lord uses to communicate to me so often that I've included lyric videos in all of the chapters of my Experience Jesus books and use songs as heart posturing components of every Spirit Life Circle meeting that we have internationally. But I am a receiver of this gift. I have a special guest today who is much more of an expert on this topic. Jay Brogan is both my campus pastor and my worship pastor from Bethel, Cleveland. Welcome, Jay. Hello. Nice to have you. Good to be here. Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the story of how you came to discover that you had an interest and a talent in music. Sure. I grew up in the Assembly of God, um, so I grew up with my mom who played in the worship team. Uh, So every Wednesday night and Sunday morning, my earliest memories were kind of crawling under the uh, sanctuary chairs while the band would practice. So I grew up immersed in in music and in worship. But I do want to kind of point out something that's kind of a clarifying point here for this. I feel like I do have an interest in music. I mean, I was in band when I was in high school and played the piano for like my youth worship team growing up. But I think what captured my attention was how the Holy Spirit inhabits and wears the praise and worship of people. It's almost like when people sing a song and even from like a musical or uh, when you're leading a song from that perspective, from the stage to see a song that the Lord wears like a jacket that he puts Mm. on and to kind of see what he can, what can happen when he inhabits that, that partnership even just observing how he does it and how he moves, that is what interested me in worship leading. I think that if it was just music alone, I wouldn't be interested. The primary focus and interest is what does the Lord love so much about what we create that he inhabits that and then uses it to bring heaven to earth, change people's lives. And the older I get, the more I observe that he doesn't just wear songs and worship. He likes to wear sermons and productions and books and and conversations, anything that is centered around the nature of who he is and invites his presence, he will inhabit that. I think that you and I, Patty, we're proof of that, right? Mm -hmm. The the spirit of God inhabits what he creates. We were fashioned out of the mud from the ground and then he inhabited that creation with his presence. Mm -hmm. And that's something that he's still doing today is inhabiting us. I've been super fascinated with the creation and just even in Genesis, how God spoke into existence and light was formed. We know this from the word that Jesus is the embodiment of the word of God. So when he spoke that creation, it was Jesus because he is his word. If you read through Genesis, when it it recounts creation, it actually embodies cadence of a Hebrew poem structure. So some people argue that the first words that were spoken were sung. So the way that God introduced light and and life into the dark, formless void was actually a song. So cool. Isn't that cool? It's really cool. Yeah. 
so that's that's my interest you know music is worship music not to um you know pull back the curtain too much for your listeners but worship music is usually the same four chords (laughs) it's not the most imaginative oh no (laughs) it's not the most imaginative instrumentation that's not the appeal worship music affects people so deeply and profoundly not because of the production around it but because if it's done from a pure heart stance, mm-hmm. those words in the same way that we're words that God has spoken, right? He spoke us into existence. He will inhabit the words that we create as well and use them as tools to affect change in people's lives. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I was thinking about in preparation for this was about how David was the ultimate psalmist, which was a songwriter and worship and praise guy, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe why the Lord called him the man after God's own heart was because he emotionally connected with God. Yeah, And that's what the Psalms are about. They're about uh, pouring your heart out in an authentic way and allowing the Lord to communicate back to you in a way that ministers. And I think that's what great worship actually does. And, you know, Jay, I think you know that I'm a big fan of you, just even as a preacher. But you can be in church and people can be worshiping the same song in one church. And in another church, you feel the spirit and this one you don't. And I think that the point you made about God inhabiting is really about the scripture verse that talks about how God inhabits the praises. And yes. so it really is about the heart posture, both of the worship team on stage and also the people receiving. And I can remember being in um, Jesus 18 where Stephanie Gretzinger, because she is so passionate, so are you, Jay, on stage and that she could be weeping. And this is a song she's probably sung a thousand times. But the thing about her is she said, if I'm not connecting with God, they're not connecting with God. And so it really is about tuning to the flow of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And just really feeling God while you're singing it. And that's what makes you inhabit his presence. Mm. I think that Stephanie, you know, a lot of the people and the worship leaders that I admire the most, they worship with a purity. Mm-hmm. And I just love Jeremy Riddle's book, The Reset, on on worship. It came out a few months ago. He references purity. He said that you can't fake purity. It Mm -hmm. just is. Yeah. So whenever you have a worship leader up there whose heart is pure before the Lord, you can't fake that. I mean, I think a lot of times in the church culture, not necessarily referring to ours, but just in general, it's almost like, do we think that we can fool God by having great production or great songs or all of those things that he doesn't see at all? Yeah. And I've been having this great revelation recently where when I come before the Lord, I'm like, God, I thank you that in the same way that you spoke creation as a song and the light came into the world, that I'm invited to invite your light into my own heart, to ask you, Lord, search me, know me, see if there be any wicked way in me. And I thank you that you're not intimidated by those things. I just wanted to touch on something that you said. So Stephanie said, if they're not worshiping, if they're not, I'm not connecting, they won't connect. And I do agree with that to an extent, but I think that God can move through anything. But the best analogy I can give you, and I heard this in ministry school, is worship leaders are all 
like a hose, a garden hose. The water that comes out of that is fresh, you know, and you can drink it and it's probably okay. But if that hose isn't kept up well, if it's dirty, if it's been in the sun too long, that's going to affect the flavor of the water that you're taking. Oh, that's a really good analogy. And with worship leaders, a lot of times while people have preferences is because you pick up on the flavor of what that person carried in. And it's just one of those proof points again that it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter if you have perfect pitch, if you are up to date on the greatest songs or the way that flows are is being done. The truth is, as long as we are copying and as long as we are allowing the flavor and the essence of, of ourselves to be the dominant, the dominant experience, worship will always be subjective to the worship leader. I think pure worship, the kind that really affects people's lives, is the worship that where the focus comes off the worship leader. And it goes on to the room and what the Lord is saying, what the Lord is doing. But that requires like a death to self. And I don't know if you know this, but musicians can have a, a Goliath-sized ego to have, <laughs> that needs to be decapitated. Yeah. Um, you know, it gets at the heart motivation of everybody, whether you're receiving the music or whether you're delivering the worship music on stage. Where is your eyes fixed? Are you focusing on God? Or are you focusing on the reaction from the audience or the yourself, right? Yeah. And one thing I appreciate and I can sense is when people are connecting with God, it makes me connect with God, yeah. you know, but you can have the wrong heart motive. I think this is true of everything that we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we can either be doing it for him or we could be doing it for ourselves or we can be doing it to please men, right? The praise of man. But if you get your heart right, you're going to be able to help God minister to people through your music. Yeah, such a great point, Patty. I think that misplaced, like, I don't want to use the word misplaced affection, but like, I think success in worship leading is a great topic point to bring up because so many people and so many worship leaders I know have the purest hearts in the world. They want to worship the Lord and we're never going to be perfect. There's always going to be flaws in the worship leader and, and everybody, right? We're told that we're to be perfect as the Lord is perfect. It means like mature, holy, complete, but we're all a work in process, right? Being refined by the Lord, working out our fear and salvation with fear and trembling. But as far as what we're looking at, I, a lot of worship leaders, we want to be successful, but I think the metrics that we use sometimes aren't God's metrics. Mm -hmm. So worship leaders will look at the room and will think, we want people to engage and connect with the Lord. So how do I judge whether that is happening in the room or not while I'm leading? Well, you look at the externals, right? You look at everything from, I've had worship leaders say that they've memorized the body language of their senior leaders. I heard worship leaders say that they have watched for the hands being raised or tears or loud singing. But the truth is all of those are just expressions. They are just fruit off of a root of something. And so if we're focusing on the external manifestation as proof that the Lord is moving, we are missing the point. We are still in a way looking for man's approval or effect. The kind of worship that the Lord's really been challenging me to enter into is to not look at success as based on a room's response but to look at success as his response in the room. Yeah. You know, there's a transition that happens in worship. We are setting a table before the Lord and we are hosting his presence. But the most powerful moments in the presence of God that I've witnessed are where we have set the table. We have invited the Lord. We are hosting the meeting, but somehow there's a transition and all of a sudden the keys have switched hands and we're no longer hosting the meeting, but he is. Yes. That is such a great way to put it too. And you can see. Really good. 
So as opposed to seeing like people responding to what I might be singing or what the band might be playing, it is very cool to watch a moment where we'll pause and stop everything, have the band do nothing interesting and watch the Lord. And you can see it. You can see it almost in ripple effect moving throughout the room, ministering to people and seeing what the spirit of the Lord wants to do. Because, and I'll just leave it with this because I don't want to harp on this for too long, but Jesus, when he performed miracles, when he did anything supernatural in his ministry, what was the one thing that he said that he did? He said he didn't do anything he didn't see the Father doing. That is my favorite verse, Jay. And people who listen to this podcast know that I bring that verse up a lot. Yeah. Because I live out of that verse. Yeah. My nickname from the Lord is Patty Cake. (laughs) And for two years, I didn't know what that meant. I just thought it was a really, really sweet little pet name. But God doesn't name anybody anything without actual significance to your identity. And so he said, we played this crazy patty cake game, all Mm -hmm. kinds of no two moves the same. And then he told me what it meant. He goes, no, I I want you to live out of John 519. Yeah. That's what your name is about. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. I I believe that's what discipleship is all about. If you don't know how to do that, then you're missing something. You're not quite aligned with Jeremiah 2911 for you. Because if our goal is only to encourage people, then we've missed the point. Right. And we're not loving. If we're not doing whatever we do out of God, reflecting God's love, we're doing it wrong. Like worship, a good worship set cannot be that people even felt that they just had a emotional experience or they enjoyed the songs or they they were able to be encouraged to do other things. Those are all great. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I hope people are encouraged. I hope that they want to get into the word and that they feel the presence of God, but that's not our goal. Our goal is the elevation of the name of Jesus. Our goal is to right. do what we see him doing, that his name will be glorified because we're not just trying to pump people up who are lowly and defeated. We are get, trying to guide them to the source, to the like Jesus and the Samaritan woman, to the well of living water where they will drink and never be thirsty again if all we do is encourage them they will be in need of an infusion every week but if we are able to point them into the source yeah then that will widen their capacity to receive the lord so i want to talk about one thing first just because about receiving before we shift gears into how you receive from the lord like songs because some people do, and they're not realizing how they do that. But what, one thing I did want to talk about was the power of worship and songs to heal. Mm. And before I ask about that, I wanted to share a story of my own. My mom passed away, and the next morning, I woke up to a song that at that moment, I had not consciously been aware that I'd ever heard before. And I captured the lyrics, and it, was, it came from For King and Country song, Priceless. And I wrote down the words that I received, and then I searched what the words were, and I found the song. But the words that I kept hearing in my spirit was, I see you dressed in white, all wrong things made right, something like that. I see a rose in bloom at the sight of you, oh, so priceless. And as I heard those words over and over, I saw my mother entering heaven, being greeted by Jesus and a whole cloud of witnesses. My father was there. All these friends of hers from when she was younger were all greeting her with Jesus. And I saw that picture very, very clearly. And it ministered to my heart. And I didn't even know that song. I had to look it up and listen to it and discover it for the first time. But the Lord used those lyrics. And I've always paid attention when I wake up to a song. And when I wake up to lyrics of a song, I go find out what the rest of the song is all about. 
because there's something in there. And it's one of the ways that God communicates. That gave not only me great comfort in that moment about my mother. I knew she was going to be in heaven, but it was different to see her there. Do you know what I mean? It had a different level for me to see her there. And on another occasion, the Lord showed me my cat in heaven, and it still gives me comfort that I had that experience as well. But what I did with that was I shared that story in my mom's eulogy at church. And I pointed out that a lot of the people that were sitting in the room, I saw their parents there. And they were able to come up with me and say, did you see my mom there? Yes, I did. See my dad there? Yes, he was there too. I mean, I believe that songs can literally heal. God can use that mode of communication to heal. And I wanted to ask you about that. I think the best train of thought I can give you for that is if you want to see what's important to somebody, then you'll see what they keep at arm's length, right? You'll see what they have right next to them and accessible to them at all times. You can look into your own life and your listeners can look into their lives. If you want to know what is important to you, look at what you keep close to you and that you use the most. I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? But we somehow we don't take that obvious line of thought and translate it and put it into perspective when we're looking at the Lord. And you look at every major account of God on the throne. What is the thing he keep he keeps close to them? Living instruments. Yeah. Worship. Right. That's what he surrounds himself with. Right. He could have anything he wanted. Think about that. He could have anything he wanted around the throne. He could have people. If he loved cooking, he could have bakers. He could have. Yeah. You like theologians, you could have professors. I mean, you could have anything in the entire cosmos of the universe he created, and he chooses to have music yeah. and worship. So that means there's an incredibly high value for him. And I have theories about music. I think music bypasses the mind and speaks the language of the soul. It's mm-hmm. a way that we can communicate. And in a lot of ways, when people hear from God, I've heard it described that they will get a download of the information that they then have to verbalize. It was almost like a zip drive got plug those even exist anymore i don't know it was almost like a download right into the heart where they get this revelation they have to unpack right and that's the power of music is that spiritual language that it can impart spiritual truths and revelation in a way that connects spirit to spirit bypassing the mind that we have to go back later and discern what it means because it's been planted directly well you are describing exactly the way we teach how to hear from God. Okay. So the the way it works is that people think that they need to understand God up here in their head, but actually it is our hearts we need to understand. And even our minds are surrendered to the Lord's mind in our heart because mm-hmm. he comes with five spiritual senses. He comes with the eyes and ears in our heart. Everybody has that, but believers because of the Holy spirit have God's mind, will, and emotion in their hearts. And when you get a download, which is also a word that I've used myself to describe just receiving from the Lord in any way, it can, it can be from your eyes, from your ears, from your feelings, anything, right? A download like that. And that's why it's interesting. I am not a musician. I don't play instruments and I have, I have no singing voice to speak of, but that's the same way that I receive things. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about what those kinds of downloads are like for artists, whether it comes as a melody that they need to capture, or if it comes as poetry first or how it might come. But in my experience, it doesn't always come in a logical way. God's ways are a little different and it might not come like that. 
So just wondering how that, what's that like? Well, I'd love to give you two different kind of aspects of that. And the first um, I'll describe is I've been fortunate enough to make some pretty amazing connections over the past year with other songwriters. In one particular group that I'm a part of, it's called Song Lab, and it's uh, led by Meredith Malden. She's a worship leader who started Upper Room's like worship movement mm-hmm. there, and now she's traveling around teaching people how to songwrite in these events called Song Lab. It's pretty amazing. There's somebody that I, I've met during that Song Lab, and they were describing how they have notepads in every room of their house so that if they get an idea they can a song idea they can write it down Mm -hmm. in any room if you were going to ask yourself patty if you needed to deliver an important message to somebody would you give it to somebody who writes down every single word they have a notepad in every single part of the house in case you call give them a message that they would write down or would you give it to somebody who only pays attention 30 percent of the time to what you're saying yeah, I would want the first. You'd want the first, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and so whether this is, I mean, I think this is great for your listeners because whether they're singers or songwriters, it all falls under the same category. The Lord is looking for people who will steward what he says to them. Yes. He's looking for people who are listening to his voice, who will write it down and act on his message. Mm-hmm. But too often we want to feel inspired We want to feel like the circumstances line up to our preferred comfort level when he's speaking. But the truth is with songs, the greatest writers are not the people who can sit down and bust one out. They are the people who in every moment of their life, they stand at the ready with their pen to record whatever that is, whatever idea, whatever fragment that is, Mm -hmm. and then steward it until it's finished. Right. And that is actually interesting because the four keys that we use to dialogue journal uh, come from Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2. That verse talks about how Habakkuk was confused about this whole 70 year. He didn't know it was 70 years. He was like, you're taking my people away. What the heck's that going on? Uh, What are you doing, God? And he goes up to the top of a rampart and he says, I'm going to look to see what God will say to me and then I will reply when I'm reproved. So I knew he was the one that needed to be corrected on it. And then the Lord answered him and said, write this down on tablets so that the one who reads it may run. And that's the point you're making. You're saying, look, God comes spontaneously throughout the day when you're not thinking about it, when, especially when you're not thinking about it, when your mind is like thinking about something else, that's when the inspiration comes, be ready. You don't want to miss it. And you got to write it down because it's not just for you. It's for other people. And you have to value what he says. I don't know when you're writing books, Patty, or if somebody else, anybody who's involved in a creative venture, isn't there plenty of opportunity when you have the idea to write it down and devalue it and say, that's dumb. That doesn't feel like it's going to go anywhere or to look at it because in in songwriter's case, it's different for everybody. You asked for mechanics and how people actually hear. Some people hear like a melody idea. Some we call them producers, the ones who hear all the music and the instrumentation around the idea before that. And you have lyricists and you have melody driven people. For me, I hear lyrics and melody. So it's just kind of like a line or melody. Mm -hmm. And typically what I'll do is I'll have my phone and I'll just record a voice memo. Now, here's the thing. For Matchless, the first song that I wrote that ever really went anywhere, I only got the melody for the chorus with maybe one lyric in there. And I spent three months in a way that I can only describe as chiseling writing those verses. Mm -hmm. Um, And I discovered that when writing and stewarding an idea, if there's a partnership with the Lord on it, 
it doesn't feel like you're making something up. It feels like you're uncovering it. I think it, who was it? Was it Michelangelo who said he saw the angel in the marble or Da Vinci? I'm not sure which one. Mm -hmm. It feels like that. I felt like each line was not right until I'd uncovered it. And it wasn't easy. I think people think that if you are a good songwriter, that it should come quick and it should come easy. I think that we think that about pretty much everything that the Lord gives us, right? We want it quick and we want it to be uh, microwavable, but uh, nothing good in the kingdom of God typically comes that way. Um, no, and he's blessed more by the journey. He wants us to uncover it. He wants us to learn what we need to learn to unfold it, right? Yeah. You know, I've written a lot of books now and he doesn't give me the same process because he doesn't want me to get ahead of him by going, okay, now I know how to do this. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me how I think it's going in a direction and it, that's not the direction, you know, but you don't know. It's like, it's puzzle pieces. Right. And you don't really know until he puts the puzzle pieces complete together, exactly right. what he's doing. And I think he likes to keep us wondering so that we keep surrendered and we don't get ahead of him. Yeah. And then the other piece, just for songwriting, anything creative, we hear from the Lord and we steward that idea, but then something else kind of kicks in. You start to kind of recognize this is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. He's entrusted me with an idea and ability to release something creatively in the earth. Does that mean that I am going to just hope it comes together finer, or am I going to take an active interest in developing this gift, yeah. you know, getting around other people who do it well and starting to learn different ways of stewarding what we hear. And it's the same thing with songwriting. Um, the journey of any songwriter that I've been fortunate enough to connect with has been, they were writing by themselves, but then something shifted and happened where they were connected with other writers. And that began to pull more out of them because we think that you're going to run out of songs, but the reality is the more you write, the more you write. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And, and God the, wants to see us partner with people. He doesn't yeah. want us to be islands. You know, he wants to see us pull together. Psalms 95 talks about it. It's a command. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Mm -hmm. He didn't say maybe. He didn't have a question mark. Like it would No, be that was a directive. Original. Sing to the Lord. And your song is kind of like the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is you living out how you have personally encountered Jesus in your own skin, in your mm -hmm. own life. You know, where sure. were you? How, where did he show up? What has he done in your life? Where are you now? And why should people come on that same journey? That's really what the gospel is, right? And I think that when we're releasing anything, whether it's in any creative fashion, it's for the purpose of discipleship, for bringing people into the kingdom and bringing people along further in the kingdom so that so they can continue to grow in intimacy with him that's the whole point you yeah. know i've heard it said that anointing is truth lived out yeah yeah, yeah. it is it's truth released yeah it's truth released yeah and that's it's why good. when you have a worship leader up there singing who you feel the purity of the lord or the intimacy of the lord that's just the truth of their secret life their their prayer closet their behind closed doors devotion to the lord it's just the evidence of that fragrance of that yeah amen i love the word fragrance too that's a good word for it it's a very good word for it okay so is there anything else that you think would be awesome and helpful for us on this topic before we let people know how they can get your songs <laughs> and connect with you well i've just been you know i've been obsessed with jesus as the word i don't know if it's appropriate avenue to mention the movie the matrix <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah. I've had clips on the blue pill and the red pill in my book. So yes. <laughs> yes. Well, you know how the, everything, like when they start to kind of realize that it's a fabricated world, there's like code that you can see in the walls mm-hmm. and, and the chairs and stuff like that. Well, figuring out that, okay, in a very real sense, if we could see the code of what makes up the world around us, it is, in, it's the word of God. Mm-hmm. We're, our, our bodies, everything that you see around us is the result of his word. Mm-hmm. We are literally words that the Lord has like spoken. Mm-hmm. So I've been asking the Lord saying, if I'm just the word that you've spoken, would you reread me again? Mm, read me out loud you know what I mean just look at it and speak out what you the word that I'm just the word made up of things that you created and spoke so just read me again and let it recreate and let me make make me more like you Mm. and so when it comes to songwriting and creative it is a pivotal moment for the body of Christ globally right now in any scriptural reference before battle it's always the praise and worshipers who go first so what the lord's about to release in the earth i believe it is a good plan and it is going to be amazing but it it is critical for the psalmist and the body of christ to get along with the lord hear what he's saying and articulate what is happening to bring forth the breaker for what he wants to do in the earth so it's not just that we want more songwriters to write good worship songs for the church it is critical for what the lord wants to release in the earth there are angels lining the heavens who are waiting for the worshipers to rise up and Mm -hmm. sing and declare what the lord is speaking into the earth before they will be released to minister so it is critical for anyone who has some semblance of gifting for this to take up that mantle and Mm -hmm. to develop it and to put it out there not to look at other songwriters saying they do it better than me this person's doing it that person's doing it but to recognize that if i have this ability then it is a holy responsibility mm-hmm. and it's something I get to do to be able to release that into the earth. So gone are the days where we can trivialize releasing songs into the earth. We have to recognize that they're absolutely critical for what the Lord wants to do in the earth. Yeah. That's such, that's so good. Really good point. And it's, and it's a point that's true for every kind of way God communicates. It's really about, like you said, being courageous enough to pick up the mantle God created you when he spoke the word that you are you. Yeah. He has a mantle for everybody. And it's important, especially in this season, we were born in this generation. Yeah. And it's important for us to honor God with whatever it is that he created us to be able to do. Whereas kids, then what we speak out has the ability to create as well. Yeah. Okay. So how can people connect with you how can they find your songs? I will put the links of all that in the episode on the pattyej.podbean.com for this episode, but how can they connect? Yeah, no, um, honestly, we're still kind of just stepping out into this world of releasing music. Um, the only place you can find any of the original music that I've written and sang is on Catch the Fire Worship on Spotify. Okay. Um, the album is called Matchless and it has three songs, uh, two written by me, and one that I wrote with uh, my friend Meredith Malden. Those songs are matchless, Write Your Name and Right Now. But there's a, a lot of other amazing songs. Another one of them, Our Story, was written by Chris Shealy, Meredith, and one of our guitar players at one of our song labs. So it's an amazing album. You should pick it up. And we did just record a full album that we hope to release later this year. More details on that to come. Awesome. Thank you so much. We will be doing an Experience Jesus Encounter, so stick around.
Thanks, Jay. You're welcome. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. For today's encounter, I want you to choose an instrumental soundtrack. This can be something that you find on a Pandora station. It could be uh, something you like from your regular music collection, but I want you to choose one. And I want you to go into your special place and see Jesus with that music playing in the background. And then allow the Lord to show you something in the midst of that music. We're not going to give Jesus too much direction here because he knows exactly what he wants to do with it. But I want you to have an experience with Jesus where he brings that music to life for you. And then I want you to make sure you capture the whole experience in your journal. See how God spoke to you through music. And I hope you learned something today about the power of worship in your daily life to the Lord. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.